Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little. And today we are continuing the conversation with the candidates for the school board, District 1. Today I have with me Mr. Hamilton Jacobs. Hamilton, welcome to the show. I know you are busy. I thank you for not counting this as robbery. I know right now you are in between, in your car, trying to get home um, and get back out the door for your next forum. So I thank you for taking the time out to squeeze us in today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Listen, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be on and share with you. And uh, I'm excited about it. And I know that both you and I probably have a long, <laughs> long day. But I believe that this is definitely worth it, and I really care about our kids. So um, yes. I'm excited. Yes. So as you just stated, a very long day because we were at a forum this morning that started at 8 o'clock. you been running right. around in between doing different things um, for our kids and everything, and you jumping in here with me, and then you're going to head back out. So I don't want to try to hold you too long, but I just want people to be able to hear who you are. Um, I want you to be able to answer some questions. So let's start off with um, what I've done with some of the other candidates. Tell us who you are and tell us why you feel that you're qualified to run for the school board seat. Great, great, great. So I am Hamilton Jacobs. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father, a father of four sons, um, one at Lowerton High School, one at Southeast Middle School, and two at Kaufman Road Elementary School. I am a coach. I am a community advocate. Uh, I am the founder of the nonprofit Bridge Over Foundation. Uh, I'm a concerned stakeholder. Um, I'm a loving man. I'm a man of God. Uh, I'm an elder at Glory Temple Worship Center where my pastor is, Pastor Sally Lakin. And uh, I believe that I'm qualified to run for this position because, uh, Tyra, I simply have been doing the work. Uh, I've been putting our children first. I've been putting our community first. I've been putting our teachers and our administration first, and I've been out there uh, trying to make sure we create a safe haven and we change the climate and the culture here at Richland School District 1 so that we can be successful in all aspects, not just one aspect, but all aspects. And I want to see us move forward. I want to see us flourish, uh, just being a community advocate, getting out here, doing the work, uh, with my foundation, Bridge Over Foundation, we did uh, community gun buybacks. We actually did the largest one that Richland County has seen, the uh, 
the largest one South Carolina has seen and the oh, first wow. one that Richland County has seen. And so uh, we did that. Um, me and my wife, who uh, Faith Jacobs, who helped found the Bridge Over Foundation, we did a, a free camp uh, at the end of July for students to be exposed to entrepreneurship, learn how to change tires, tie neckties, gave away free neckties, and okay. uh, young ladies learn how to braid hair. So, and I don't want to keep rambling, but we have really been putting in the work to expose our students, our community to a world of endless possibilities. So I believe that uh, right now what we need is someone that is willing to do the work to push, propel our district okay. forward. Okay. Okay. And it, and it sounds like you have definitely um, been in the community and doing the work. So let's start off with um, tell me what what is the role of the school board commissioner? What, what is the role of the school board? The role of the school board commissioner is to govern, is to make policies, is to make sure that our super we hold our superintendent accountable to the day-to-day operations of Richland School District 1. So, in essence, our job is to make policies for the district to thrive and to uh, that are effective for uh, classroom um, students, for stakeholders. We are the policy makers. Okay. Okay. Now, you said something that jumped out, and so I'm going to try to hit around because we got a, a lot of stuff I want to ask you and we don't have a lot of time, but I want to be able to, you know, be be fair with you as well. Um, you right. said a biggie, and right now one of the biggest things that you keep hearing um, when they speak about District 1 um, as you said, to hold the superintendent accountable. And right. that's been an issue that's been talked about in different forums, you know, as well as across, you know, just, you know, some of the news outlets or, you know, papers and all of this stuff. So right. what is your take on that, Hamilton? How how would you handle um, governing the superintendent um especially as it comes to right now what has been in question is about, you know, some of the members wanted his termination, and you've had some of the parents as well. So what is your, your, your take on that? Well, let me first say um, – And let me not say your take. I, I, let me say how you would handle it. Let's do it that way. Got you. Got you. Uh, um, let me first say that, Tyra, I am in support, um, and I know that people have called for his removal – and I know that uh, uh, one of the board members did as well. Some of the parents. I'm in the support. I'm in support of the removal of anyone that is not effectively doing what they are supposed to do. And that's that's the superintendent or anyone that is not doing what they are supposed to do with calls. I need mm-hmm. to know what's going on. And I believe that that's a, a segue into uh, one of the first issues that we see in our district. So many people are uninformed. Um, mm-hmm. we can't make decisions. Someone said something uh, that was so profound to me. He said, they said that um, it's time to not make decisions about us without us. We can't know how to effectively make change if we don't know what needs to be done. And so I, I say that to say I, I've seen where question has been pro or uh, has been posed 
to our superintendent, and uh, he said that, you know, he'll get back, he'll get the information back to us, or he'll get it back to the board members, or the information wasn't available. I believe that right now what we need, uh, what the new commissioner has to do is those items or, or that information that we aren't receiving or we aren't getting from our administration or from our superintendent, we have to go get that information. And when we get that information now, we have the ball in our court. We are able to hold whoever accountable for wherever the lapse in information was. And so I believe that, uh, one, we have to hold our superintendent accountable for the things that we know about, but, two, we have to make sure that we are well-informed on every decision and everything that is happening in our district. And so that begins to, and I don't want to, I know you have other questions, so I don't want to talk too long, but that begins mm-hmm. to open up those avenues where we have to be visible, we have to be reachable, we have to be approachable. All of those things come into play when I think about a good commissioner and being able to effectively hold anyone else accountable. It has to start with us. Okay. Now, and and, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to let you answer, and then we're going to move off of that because that alone, talking about the superintendent, can take away so much time. So I know that you said that they should, you know, if you can't get the information, go and get it. But let's say, for instance, that, and, and I don't know, I'm just, you know, theoretically speaking here, um, mm-hmm. if they go to, say, the administration office or whoever they think is, should have this information, and what about if they can't obtain it, then what? That's when uh, though that big word that we talk about here in District 1, uh, that's when we say or we hold those people accountable for that transparency piece. So we're able to say, I'm able to say as Hamilton Jacobs, I went and I asked this question to this person, whatever name that is, as it relates to that administrative job or or what their administrative title is. I went to this person and I asked them for this information and they could not provide it. Can you please tell me why I was not able to achieve my goal? or what it was that I was trying to get. And then that opens up conversations in how to fix those problems that we continually see. So I wasn't able to get that information from you. You were supposed Mm -hmm. to provide that information. Why didn't you provide it? What prevented you from getting me what I needed? Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Um, Hamilton, let me ask you a question. How do you Mm -hmm. feel about charter schools? Uh, I, as as a as a component of uh, Richmond School District One, uh, I've uh, I am how how do I say it? I am pro the public school atmosphere, and I've had um, I've had some issues as it relates to charter schools where I've spoken with some of our constituents or our stakeholders, and they have not been as supportive in charter schools just because they haven't got the results or haven't got the uh, communication that they deserve. And I believe that that kind of leaves us as board members. Because as a constituent and as a parent, I actually asked a board member about a charter school and they said that they don't really have the ability to govern schools like they do our public schools. And so 
Um, I would have to do a little bit more research so I can be clear and concise. But I will say from the knowledge that I was given, I don't like not being able to be hands-on. And and if I'm talking from a commissioner's point of view, I don't like the ability not to be able to govern a charter school. Um, And and I want to make sure that I'm able to effectively do my job, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So I don't have a problem. I don't. I can't say per se that I have a problem with charter schools, but mm-hmm. my my uh, I guess my dialogue and, and my conversation as it relates to charter schools hadn't necessarily been the greatest, and I think that it puts us as a disadvantage as uh, commissioners not being able to uh, address issues in those in that aspect. Okay. Um, how do you feel about open enrollment? in school of choice for parents. That's a that's a interesting um that's a interesting conversation and excuse me if you heard my children in the back, I apologize. It's okay. But, we um, understand. <laughs> as far as as far as open enrollment in school of choice, it's funny that you just asked me about it because a parent reached out to me today and said, um, don't we have school choice? Where and we decide where our children are able to go to school, and I was told that we aren't able to decide that. I believe that it puts um, some some schools at a disadvantage because you have so many people that are looking to move out of their area and mm-hmm. go to other schools that look more appealing. And so, uh, when that when that uh, when that happens, that makes our school numbers look low. So you may have twenty kids that are zoned for Lower Richland but they'll go to Dreer or they'll go to AC floor because it's more attractive or it's more appealing. As a parent, I believe that every parent should have the right to decide where their children or their child mm-hmm. uh, wants to go to school, but I also mm-hmm. believe that it should be our job as stakeholders, as commissioners, and as uh, people of the district to make sure that we make all resources equitable so what looks uh, attractive and a Columbia High is attractive at a C.A. Johnson, or what's attractive at an A.C. Floor is attractive at an Eau Claire High School. Gotcha. So the biggest thing is we need to make sure that um, my kid doesn't want to go to another school because this school has Mandarin and this school doesn't. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Um yeah. What's your take on addressing the amount of kids being expelled from school and retention? My take is that we have to get our community involved. We have to get our community involved. I believe that we'll be able to retain students and we won't see so many kids being expelled from class. If a child... I said it this morning, we had a form. A child wants to know that you love them, that you care, and that you're there. When they lack those things, when they lack those three things, then they become a problem or a product of their environment, which sometimes becomes problems in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. Uh, For teachers to effectively teach, we can't have people or we can't have students that are uh, disgruntled or irate or that are being a disturbance to the classroom. So, you know, I never hate – I hate for any child to be expelled, but we also must have to make sure that children and our students understand 
that there are repercussions and consequences to their actions. I believe that all of that can be eradicated if we can get our community in the schools. Why do I say that? I believe that most of the relationships that are developed with children outside of the classroom are developed in their communities with coaches, with uh, Miss Jane at the corner store, with my mentor, with my church leader, with whoever it may be that's pouring into that child. If we can get those people inside of the schools to help alleviate some of the stress from our teachers, some of the uh, the time that they have to be in the classroom without uh, someone to come rescue them, then I believe that, you know, they'll be able to speak to that child and say, hey, come on, you know, that's not right. Relationships are built up off of trust. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot uh, – it, it's hard for our children and our students to trust someone that they, they don't know and they don't know how they're going to react to them. Mm-hmm. Or how they're going to react to uh, if they have a, a a a condition or medical condition or whatever the case may be, and so I, I think that we need to make or put more emphasis in making sure that we build trust amongst mm-hmm. our school community. Right, right. You know, um, there's one thing, and I've said this as I've, as I've spoken with the other candidates. Um, I truly don't believe that any child wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be bad today. You know, it's mm-hmm. life circumstances that create those issues. And right. I am one that I truly believe that during the time of COVID, um, I think it helped to give a lot of teachers a more insight of some of the homes that their children are coming from. Because while you on a Zoom class teaching, um, you online teaching, you know, you're able to see and hear some of the different things that's going on in, in some of the homes. Um, right. Um, and I know that teachers don't have, you know, a lot of time to give individual time. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that sometimes when we have that child that is constantly posing a problem, we have to realize that it's home environment. Now, by no means am I saying that any teachers are – you know, I'm not downplaying any teachers or anything like that because they have a hard time. Those teachers become the children's parents, you know, the nurse, everything, because they're right. at school with them more hours than they are at home during the week. So, you know, right. um, I salute our teachers. I think that they're doing a great job, and I think that a lot of parents, and I know just from seeing sometimes at so- social media during the time of COVID where you know, people had to break it down and when they started talking about calling their kids their coworkers, you know, well, tell me what your coworker did, you know, what they did, you know. And they realized, I think, that a lot of parents gained a newfound respect for the teachers because they saw how, like, oh, my God, there's no way that I could do this all day, you know. So, right, you know, right. Teachers are definitely right. special people and definitely, um, I think, sometimes yeah. the most overlooked heroes. They are, and I'm gonna tell you this. I, I'm gonna go a step further. I I cringe, and and this is and this is just being honest. Uh, I cringe when I hear so many people talk about um, we're failing at this, the the test scores are this, the test scores are that, and I understand our test scores are abysmal. That's not that's that's not 
even a question. But at the same time, we have to realize that those test scores are a reflection of what our kids are learning in the classroom. If our teachers are struggling because they can't talk because of someone uh, being loud or someone dancing on a desk or jumping off a desk or acting crazy, then it puts them at a disadvantage for educating our children and giving them the education that they need. So in essence, even though we try to um, we try to I guess dress it up in another way, we are really talking about our teachers because our teachers teach our students. And I don't think that's fair for people to talk about our teachers and everything that they have to go through in the classroom on a day-to-day basis uh, in the in those aspects. Yes, we acknowledge it, but we need to be asking them what do they need? What do they feel they need to make it better? I know personally that I've talked to a lot of teachers, and one in particular told me, my issue alone is that my administrator don't trust my judgment in the classroom. So where I've seen that the way that I teach my child, the way that I teach my student is the most effective way for them to learn, I've seen it in the numbers because they have the highest test scores in the school, but you're still giving me a bad evaluation because of the way that I'm teaching it, and it's not in line with the way that, uh, that you know, the district may want it or that you are uh, suggesting that I teach it. Now, I'm not a teacher. I don't profess to be a teacher, but what I can do is as I hear their concerns, I can address their concerns. I can say, they say that this is not working, so why are we doing it? Why haven't we looked at another option? And so I, I, I cringe when I hear people say those things because I feel like we should be having solution-based conversation, that we should be trying to figure out how to strengthen and fortify our district. I'm a product of this district. So a lot of people are looking for me to tear it down and talk about it. And take, no, I acknowledge that we have issues, but at the same time, those schools that you're talking about, my children go to those schools. I came yeah. from that school. I mean, I'm I'm a product of District 1 as well. So. Right. Um, right. So let me say this, because I hit on COVID, and we, you know, we all know that, you know, there were issues. But, however, there were learning issues um, and gaps that was going on before COVID. So now right. you have the issues prior to COVID. You have COVID. Mm-hmm. As a commissioner, how do you plan on assisting the district with bridging the gap of learning from, from the learning loss from COVID as well as what we already had? What would be your plan to try to bridge that gap? Uh, I believe that, like I said, that's something that we have to include our teachers on. You know, as a as a commissioner, like you said, or as we alluded to earlier, I'm a part of making policy and procedure. But mm-hmm. in order for me to make that, just like I, I, we, I just talked about with that teacher, we have to go ask the teachers, what do you feel is going to be effective? Okay, this is what happened pre-COVID. This was what happened during COVID. Now we're post-COVID. What hasn't changed? What has been the same? What are we doing? What, what, what uh, strategic plan do we have to move from good to great? What, what, what do you need to be successful? Do you need more resources? Do you, I, so my objective 
as a commissioner, what I would like to do is have a town hall. This is me. I can't speak for nobody else. I can't say that any other uh, commissioner would be there. But every month, at least once a month, I want to create a safe haven for teachers to be able to come and say, Mr. Jacobs, this is not working. Now, I know the administration, so they can talk without retaliation, so they can talk and feel free, and they can have a voice, they can voice their concerns. Listen, I need you guys to try to figure out how to get us more control in the classroom. I need you guys to say, uh, let's get these, this resource in the schools. I want to be able to give our teachers that voice, and I believe that they have not had that. Now, uh, I haven't seen it publicly, so I don't know whether they do or they don't, but I want to make it where we know that it's been heard. Everybody knows about gotcha. it. Everybody knows that they have this opportunity or this chance, and they'll be able to come. If they decide not to, that'll be their decision. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But this will be a free space for them to voice their concerns and their opinions. Right. I mean, because as we know, um, retaliation is real. Um, right. You know. And everybody does need a safe place to be able to discuss, you know, the issues that are going on. Ms. Tyler, um, you can't have... You can't have change unless we address the issue Absolutely. with the people that's having the issue. Absolutely. 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 Um, Mr. Jacobs, do you feel like yes, the ma'am. current attendance lines provide a level of diversity? The current attendance line? Mm-hmm. Do you feel... Do you speak that... Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like the current attendance lines provide a level of diversity? And when you're speaking in in attendance line, you're speaking in relation to all the students that we have in Richmond School District One. Mm-hmm. So, like the current, like the 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 zoning, the district line where they have drawn them. Like, yeah. Do you feel like it has is creating um, diversity? Uh. Honestly speaking, I can't feel like it's creating diversity or it's not creating diversity because the the people that are living in those areas where they're zoned, that's no fault of their own. That's where their parents decided to live them. So you might have, you know, a diverse group of people in, per se, the Shannon area that just were, you know, able, were able to, live in that area, but you have a group of people in, say, where I live there, I live in Hopkins now, but I live in Eastover, that you may not see that diversity. You know, we don't draw the lines. And so I I can't really, uh, and I don't want to scapegoat your question, but (laughs) we we don't draw the lines, and I don't feel, you know, I can't bring a certain group of people into a, a, a district area, if that makes sense. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So now I'm going to hit on a question that um you know you and I talked earlier, and um mm-hmm. you know you were able to to share your heart. So I'm going to ask you this question: Why yes, are you running for a school board? Now, even though you know you addressed why you felt like you were qualified, but why are you running for school board? I'm running for school board because there is a job that must be done in our district. And it's going to take someone rolling up their sleeves 
willing and ready to get down in the dirt and get in the trenches and do whatever it takes to get the job done. I'm running because I care about our children, care about our teachers, our administration. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and tell the people if it's okay with you what I talked with you about. That's fine. There is, there is a particular school in, in our district, I'll, I'll, just to, to save the, the school and the person. There's a particular school that every week I take them water because a teacher is paying for water or was paying for water for students to go to a portable or go from a portable into the school to get water and killing instructional time and having to use their own personal money. There's no way that that should be happening. Not only that, but it's another school that I go to and I help as a community man, as a as a community advocate, as just a, a sure passion and love for our children and the people that are part of Richland School District 1. And I had to stop going there because uh, it was said that I was campaigning in the schools. I was knocking on doors and someone came to me and they said, they want you out of the schools because you're campaigning. And I had to tell that person, I said, no, ma'am, I'm not campaigning. I'm showing the love. I'm showing that I care. After speaking with one of the administrators there, they contacted me and they told me, the kids miss you. was the most hurtful feeling in my heart that I could not or I, I stopped because I'd rather, and, and I know I can lose the race like this, and I know that my wife is going to get me, but I'd rather somebody win by disqualification because I care about the kids <clears throat> than I let somebody's words stop me from going to the most important people inside of this entire race. I, I I I care about this district. I care about our children. I care about our students. I care about our teachers. If I didn't, I would not submit myself. But I care with a genuine concern, with a, a passion, a genuine passion for our children. It's not. This is not the time for us to grandstand. There's so many people in our community. There's so many people in our schools. There's so many people that come up to me and tell me, I only see people when the lights come on. I only see people when it's time for television. I'm not that guy. I'm always working. I will always be found working because my number one concern is that every child that leaves out of Richland School District 1 is successful, that our parents get the transparency and the trust that they're asking for, that our teachers and our administration, that our janitors, bus drivers, all of these people that make up this district get someone that they can trust. Right. It's time and, out. And I think, need... I, I think it will be fair for you to let the, you know, as you said, the, you know, the conversation that we heard earlier, but you left out an important part of the conversation. And the important part of the conversation was that, um, the reason why you're saying that, you know, they're saying the kids miss you is because this is something that you were doing prior to the campaign. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, you are right. Okay. Prior to the campaign, prior to me submitting myself, I've been going. Mm-hmm. Been helping. I'm, I, I, Miss Tyra, I'm in the community. This is not something I submitted myself last year, and I tell my sons, I have to tell you the same thing that I tell them. We don't lose, we learn. So when Mr. Lomanat won, God bless him last year, I didn't lose, but I learned a lesson. I could have mm-hmm. easily stayed on the sideline, stayed on the bench. I could have not submitted myself this year, but I know that there's work that needs to be done. And I'm not looking to go sit down on Tuesdays, on the second and the fourth Tuesday or whenever it is, just to be at a board meeting. I'm looking mm-hmm. to go into the classrooms. I'm looking to go into the schools. I'm looking to get partnerships with our community so that our teachers can get some relief, so that our children can see someone that they can aspire to be. I'm a 34-year-old young African-American male that has four sons that supported this district and so many children that look up to me from all the way from Columbia High down to Weber Elementary School. This is not anything that I just talk about. I give out scholarships all the time. Oh, wow. I go Does to, it come through, through your foundation? Through our foundation. We give mm-hmm. out scholarships. Me and my wife and my sons, we go support our athletes. We don't have to do those things. There are a lot of people that have never touched foot in a stadium, never touched foot inside of a gym. But when they look up in that stand, they see Coach Hamilton. They say, mm-hmm. They see Mr. Jacobs, and they know if they can't count on anybody else, they can count on me. I'm going to say this, and I'm trying not to get emotional because I know this is going to be recorded. I'm going to say this. I got a young man. I'm going to say this, then I got to go so I can get ready for this. I got a young man that's a part of my Bridge Over Foundation. And when we talk about school choice, he lives in Gaston to St. Andrews Middle School because he said, Mr. Hamilton, I couldn't do Lower Richland or Southeast or Hopkins. I can't be down here for a personal reason. He called me and he told me, he said, Mr. Hamilton, I got a football game that I want you to come to. I'm playing football. I said, all right, first game of the season. I said, man, I'll definitely be there. They played Hopkins Middle School. I went to his game. And that was the best feeling ever had. Mm-hmm. He said, Mr. Hamilton, I'm so happy that you showed up. I'm so happy that you was there for me. His mom couldn't make it. His father mm-hmm. is not in his life. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying we need people that are reachable, people that's going to do the work. I'm not looking to get a position for fame or fashion. I'm not looking to get it for fortune. Not looking to get a position for who I may know. I'm looking to do this because I care about Richland School District One. And like I tell everybody all the time, if win, lose, or draw, I'm still gonna be here. I'm still gonna be working. But my mm-hmm. number one concern is, yes, ma'am. Um, yes, ma'am. Okay, there you go. I lost you for a second, so I couldn't. I'm hear sorry. You. I'm sorry. Um, my wife pulled up. 
in the yard and it switched oh, over to phone. my Bluetooth. I'm sorry. Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I know that you said, um, I know that you have to go and prepare um, for the forum tonight, but I will say this. I truly hear your passion. I hear your heart. Um, I definitely know that you care about the kids, um, including from our conversation earlier today. And again, I just want to thank you um, that you took the time and that you found it important that you really wanted to be on the podcast. And so I thank you for that time. Um, November 8th is the day to go out and vote, you guys. Um, if you can catch a forum, please go to one so you can listen, so you can hear. Um, I know I have afforded you the opportunity to hear the different candidates that's running for the at-large seat. There's three people running for the at-large seat. Um, the other two seats, they are running unopposed, so you may or may not hear from them. Um, so, because I also want to get District 2 on as well. So, uh, Mr. Hamilton, I thank you so much for taking the time to come out. I appreciate you. Um, good luck to you on November 8th. Yes, ma'am. And again, you guys get out and vote. Get out and vote. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity. Please make sure that you guys get out and vote. Now, I'm going to ask that you go vote for Hamilton Jacobs early, <laughs> October the 24th. Go early. Send in absentee ballot. Whatever you can do, but please, please make sure you mark that ballot for Hamilton Jacobs, and I promise you, you will definitely uh, see the work that we're doing and how we are um, ready to just uh, give our district and give our students someone that they can trust. All right. See you all next Tuesday. This is Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, and I'm your host, Tyra Little. All right. Come on.